Hey guys, this ad is in partnership with HBO. The three finalists for the 2020 HBO APA Visionary Short Film Competition have been announced. HBO Visionaries is celebrating its fourth class of emerging Asian and Pacific Islander American filmmakers, and all three Visionary 2020 shorts will be available to air live on Tuesday, September 29th on HBO and available to stream on HBO Max. Find more information about the program and official rules on www.hbovisionaries.com and keep an eye out for the opening of submissions for the 2021 competition and the opportunity to have your short film considered for HBO and HBO Max. Congratulations to the winners, to the finalists of 2020. Y'all are amazing. And seriously, if you're an aspiring filmmaker, go handle it in 2021. Good luck. I love you. Go make all the things. Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang, and thank you so, so, so much for tuning in for this week's episode. I hope you all are doing well, staying safe and healthy and sane, which this year is such a tall order. And if you're not those things, you're in the right place and you came to the right episode. But before we get to that, I really quickly wanted to plug, if you're living in the United States and you're listening to this episode before November 3rd, 2020, please, please register to vote and make sure to vote in this year's elections. It is a very, very, very important year. We'll get to that in this conversation that's forthcoming. So I'll just jump right into introducing our incredible guest this week. She is one of my favorite human beings on the planet. She is one of the smartest, most loving, and eloquent people I've met. Of course, I'm speaking about none other than Priscilla Leanne Kim, also known as Priska. Priska is a singer-songwriter from Los Angeles, and she is the co-host of the Two Horny Goats podcast, which she co-hosts with Roxy Shi, who is a filmmaker. And you guys need to check out this podcast. It is so deep, riveting, hilarious, all of the things. I, I <laughs> On episode two, I broke down in tears. Like, it's just so good. So please go check it out. And um, yeah, Priska and I have been going through it. We have been having a, a great deal of overwhelm. And I just can't think of a better person to talk through all of this stuff with because she just knows how to bring it out of me. She knows how to be there for all of us. So I hope that you really enjoy this because, you know, we're running on limited fuel. And if you're in just that weird place where it's been really hard to freaking manage, you are you are in good company. <laughs> you're in good company. Okay, without further ado, here's my episode with Priska. Enjoy. Hello, my dear Priska. Thank you for coming back and sharing this wonderful autumn day. <laughs> Gosh, isn't it gorgeous though? I mean, finally SoCal has like cooled down a tad. A smidge, yes. Yeah. And, um, like I wore a jacket yesterday. Did you? Uh-huh. Like a full-on like jacket. Was it, was it wild. marvelous? It was amazing. I was at the beach. It was like a breezy. It was a little bit cold. I like shivered a little. It was amazing. I loved it. 
<laughs> I loved every second. Months for that shiver. I know. <laughs> I know. I haven't felt that since February. <laughs> oh, February back uh, back before then. <laughs> what a different time. Oh, I think I was taller. Were you taller? I feel like I was taller in February. I think, yeah, I was taller. My chakras were definitely more aligned and <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It was Actually, it so wasn't. I was like in the thick of like the <laughs> post breakup world. I was like a mess, but oh, it's shit. still like it, comparatively, I feel like it was a better time. <laughs> yes. I mean, knowing what you know now, if you could go back to a pre-COVID LA, like what's one thing you would go do and one thing you would go eat like immediately? Immediately, I would mm-hmm. do K barbecue for sure. Like oh, knowing that yes. I can't like share a meal. Like fuck that. yes, uh, get in that person. meat in your mouth, girl. Oh, God, you know it's the experience. Like you're over a grill, you're over an open fire with your yeah. friends. Like yeah, sharing panchan. I'm like, man, that seems so simple back then. But now I'm like, oh my God, will <laughs> we ever share panchan again? Like that's wild to I think feel about. Like we're just really gonna have to have our own little dishes, <laughs> like separated by plexiglass. <laughs> Like you cheers your soju against the pe- plexi. Yes, that's <laughs> how we're, we can't do that flicking game anymore. Can't do the flicking game. Oh, I'm no. I'm sure someone will build an app. Okay, yeah, it'll be <laughs> virtual, but the 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 real flick you heard you might it have here to just first accept is over. I know <laughs> it's over. <laughs> um, and I don't know where I would go. I would just fly somewhere. Like I I Ooh. I don't know what your travel life was like because both of it. You and I are both pretty mobile people yeah sure but sure yeah i was taking a flight like a month yeah i mean you, you know? were doing speeching uh, speaking engagements around the country all the time yeah and i just like just to go places because i was like i need to get the hell out of la oh that yeah that was my, my thing i was like i love la as, a, as long as i leave it frequently i i'm like yeah. I feel better about coming back home and I'm like, oh, yay. Yeah. Oh, food. Oh, sunshine. But like I, I was like, I need to leave here or I'm going to lose my mind. I totally feel you. And I feel like I, there are a lot of like beautiful things about California and like all that. But L.A. as like a city is like visually difficult. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not the prettiest um, city. It's just like mostly strip malls, you know, yes. <laughs> which have, has great things inside. But yeah, it's mostly strip malls. <laughs> <laughs> well you you're you're a SoCalian. We've talked about this. I apologize because my memory has gone even worse. So we're gonna no. have to maybe talk about certain things. No, hi Minji, I'm Priska. <laughs> hi Priska, so good to meet you. So good to you. meet you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> um no, yeah, I'm a SoCal native, so I've grown up here my whole life. Um I've all, the only time I lived out of state was last year when I moved to Ashland, Oregon with my husband, and then yes. we lived in New York for a little bit up until covid so we his show he he was in a little show called cambodian rock band yes um, yes and actually i think minji saw like the last show i did see the last you show saw like the last one, one of the last flights you were one of the last people oh i God. visited that's so wild all of this insanity and even then we were like this is gonna be nothing this is whatever <laughs> like we went out to a bar you know like we, we, we were did. chilling we weren't wearing i mean masks weren't a thing yet they All were the, not. No. I was just like hopping on the subway and visiting you guys in Brooklyn and being yeah. like, hey guys. We Wow. We, I, I didn't know. even remember the bar. That's like again, the little things. It's a it's a it's a past life, like literally, you know? That's uh, wild. All of the hopes and dreams we had, you know, and on then the you precipice. Guys shut down like right after that show. I went to a matinee yeah. show and I do remember that I was feeling some type of thing mm. because I booked my ticket 
in February, this is again my yeah. travel life, right? I was like, okay, Cambodian rock bands in New York. I'm gonna be in Texas for South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna freaking go to New York for a day because I'll be closer to New York when I'm in Texas than I'm yeah. when I'm in California. I was plotting all this literally all this out. <laughs> and I bought the ticket while I was at the Seattle Asian American Film Festival watching G. Yamazawa perform. I was hey. on my phone buying my ticket. And That's I did right. all that in February. And then in March, I saw you. Yeah. Like we literally it. saw each other and then the show shut down. And then we uh, my husband and I had about 48 hours to decide whether or not we were going to stay in New York or come back to California. Oh, <laughs> it was wild. <laughs> And we made How those did, decisions at a bar. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So and you wild. had to like make them so rapid fire. Yeah. Because right after I left, it was like a matinee show in the middle of the week. When were you gone out of New York right um, after that? So I think that evening show was the last show. And the next morning, um, they called my husband and they shut everything down. Oh um, yeah. And then we just we purchased our tickets on Friday. Oh, my god! So gosh. about 48 hours after the shutdown, um, like, yeah, we got wasted two nights in a row because we were just like, <laughs> what the fuck? And I was like fighting it. I didn't want to come back yet because we uh-huh. had just moved out there and we were just figuring out our way, you know? Yeah. And I mean, but I was like working retail um, and then retail shut down on Sunday. Uh, oh and then gosh. in trying to go see housing, like people were there were kind of some Asian uh, anti-Asian uh, sentiments going on at the time. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. mean, still going on, but like weirdly on the rise at the time. And so even in yeah. seeing places, I would just kind of feel like a certain amount of like uncomfortability with people. Um, yeah. And so like at the end of the day, like we were like, it's going to be better to be close to family. We don't know when we'll be able to travel again. And me, like in my kind of naivety at the time, um, I thought it would be like two or three months. I was like, there's no way this is going to be more than two to three months. We can buckle Mm -hmm. down and like figure it out in New York, you know? Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But here we are six and a half months later. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so Minji, I haven't really talked to you too much during this time. What has quarantine lockdown ish life been for you well we've seen each other this is what i've been so grateful for is uh, in the last few months at least like on a semi-regular basis you more than a lot of other people in my life because our zoom workouts we do do Um, zoom workouts yeah thank you to melly lee yes and we freaking love you melly so much Um, body by melly eh. (laughs) (laughs) and uh but like i I like I, I preface a lot with this year. I was dealing a lot with the fallout of the breakup with Kenji. And you know yeah. that from uh, that was in December. But I think in being isolated, I personally was really happy about that. Okay. Or like happy to have some kind of infrastructure of like, you're not allowed to see other people. You have to stay right. home. And I, I think it for me, it was like that strange blessing in disguise of like, you need to spend time alone. And, and, and you can't be mad swiping. Lot. At all times. You can't be like mad swiping at all times. I mean, there was swiping. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Got it. Nothing wrong with swiping. It was an interesting um, thing to have because as soon as COVID and people went into quarantine, Tinder actually like let people passport. Whoa. Yeah. What does that mean? uh, so there's oh yeah you're not a I'm you're, not, you're the married and happy boring as fuck yeah <laughs> not boring you're just um but it was uh basically passport's like a feature like if you're a premium member or whatever i don't know what the title oh. is but you pay that you can like change your location and swipe with people in other places other Whoa. than like your immediate like whatever, is that how they monetized mile. it yeah and there's oh. i guess there's a lot of people who do that but uh 
I mean, I can pop off and talk about what I speculate of, like, how much <laughs> horrible activity is also happening, too. But yeah. that's neither. We won't go there now or today. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, people were, like, passporting and uh, and and swiping in different... Because they were basically like, hey, we're all cooped up at home. I'm sorry. There's so many airplanes and cars. I don't know what the heck is happening. Freaking L.A. Um, there's so much noise. Airplanes like, hold in the for night sound. sky like shooting stars. <laughs> I could use a wish right now. Can we have a music break by Prisca right right now? now. (laughs) (laughs) Also, everyone needs to go listen to Prisca's music because it will heal your soul. Um, After that beautiful rendition I did of Airplanes in the Night Sky, I mean, please check out my page. I'm just kidding. No. (laughs) No, we're going to put your music at the the, the outro for this. Oh, shit. So while you're sitting there, choose your song. Um, (laughs) Okay. But no, it was it was interesting. Anyway, the passport thing was a thing that Tinder like did. You know, we're all cooped up. I know you guys are yeah. might be losing your minds. Go go connect with people, but also don't meet up in person. Like yeah. there's this whole campaign, and I, I thought know. it was actually very clever because how many millions of people are on Tinder yeah. at any given moment, and they're just like telling people to quarantine. Yeah, but they're like, hey, connect with people on right. us. Were you trying to swipe for like some British boys? Like, did you go out of country? Did you get out there? So real talk, we're getting, we're spilling the tea on Minji's swiping life. I have swiped in in London before. Not this time around. I'm living for it. I need to write some stuff because I swear, okay, like there's stuff that I want to, there's, there's an episode on fuck boys that has been long, been on the back burner of like something I wanted to record. Yeah. But no Um, one from their side will, will dare to be represented. Right. Right. But at least we can give like the other side. And honestly, like I'm doing again in the deep dive analysis of myself this year, Mm -hmm. I I'm definitely coming to terms of my own fuck girl, uh, background. Okay. Okay. And owning it. I'm owning it and because on all sides, whether it's like comically to like laugh at it, to like investigate it for mental health purposes and be like, what was that all about? Right. What was my inner child doing then? Seriously. (laughs) 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 I didn't know we were going to talk about this. Like, oh, my God. All of it, you know. Yes. All Mm -hmm. of it. So it's all like suffice it to say we're like take take this like little detour down the Tinder path. Sure. I've been definitely reevaluating a lot. Like just by default, by being alone, I think just having more time with thoughts, but also I've been working a ton okay, and a lot and I'm, you know, at a complete burnout point currently. Yeah. What's that been like? How did you, how did you go from like, I think a lot of us had nothing going on and then I think a lot of us now have too much going on. What was that kind of like ramp like for you? Well, I think it's a survival thing, right? Mm Because like. It's a, it's not, for me, it's not even a ramp. It was like a different continuation of like the previous life. Cause we know yeah. like the one comment that I get the most from everyone is like, you're so busy. You're such <laughs> a hustler. Yeah. And, yeah. and I've been kind of sitting weird with these realizations. Cause like hearing that I know people mean it. So I, I don't want to make anybody feel like they've offended me by saying yeah. that, but mm-hmm. hearing that repeatedly, it was like a data point that I was getting a lot. And I was right. like, what is that about? You're like, wait a minute. You're like, thank you. And then like, hold up. What does this actually mean though? In my life? Yeah. Mm. Like that's my brand that yeah. I, that I do so much. And I was like, and I'm, I don't know if I'm happy. Right. So, I hear you. Just but what are, there. yeah. What are some of like the red flags that you see in terms of like, like if you were driving down a highway, what are some road signs that indicate that you're like about to head for burnout? 
my body. Well, this is like mm. the funny thing, like I, body by Melly. Um, so <laughs> hashtag, hashtag um, body by working Melly. out was like a survival thing. It's also like my stress reliever. Mm. So I was working out like twice a day ish. Wow. During like almost every single day during COVID. And I really think well, was, I was learning how to adjust the working out to like walking. Okay. So taking walks, I think is a really wonderful, gentle way to like relax and like my mind kind of works differently when I'm walking. Yeah. I hear you. So I do that. And then, uh, but like, yeah, but like physically I I've injured myself before cause I've definitely overdone it. And, oh, another plane hold for sound. <laughs> Airplanes in the night sky, like shooting stars. I can really use a wish right now, wish right now, wish right now. I need you to have that forever. I'm going to start inserting that every airplane in every episode. <laughs> I'm just going to be a soundbite. We're going to make a segment of that. Oh, no. I wish I sang it better. <laughs> okay. We, we'll have another chance. Don't worry about okay, it. Okay. Okay. You're near, you're near Burbank. I got you. I got yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, airport. Pros and cons. Pros and cons. Um, yeah, but it's body shutting down. I would okay. either like I've rolled my ankle. I've like m- I've had IT band issues where my leg like would literally literally seize up oh, and God. I couldn't walk. Like I've had that before. I've had so many different again, girl, I'm 35. Like right. I've had so many versions of this burnout. I hear you. In the past, I've gone to the ER. That was like collab early collab days when I didn't know what the hell I was doing and Oh man. Um so I I so I would say progressively I've gotten a lot better. Yeah. Um but yeah, the signs are different. They're they're definitely physical. Like I f- have been kind of low key sick for the last, I'd say, like two weeks. Oh man, my voice. You can hear it. My voice is my money maker. It's my yeah. career, and yeah. it ain't all here right now. <laughs> I mean, but it sounded smooth like velvet. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, thank you though. Yes, I'm loving what about it. You though, because you like you you're on the hustle too, and like you like, know. I want to know. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think, yeah, for me, I spent a year doing nothing. So I think I'm, I, I am coming from like a slightly different place because I was, you know, I think you and I, I remember we were just both on that LA hustle grind together. Mm-hmm. And it was like, mm-hmm. I saw you at every event. You saw me. We were doing like, I don't know. We were just kind of just going for it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. then I literally stepped back out of the rat race. And I think a big thing for me was, yeah, I've been having pretty consistent panic attacks since I was about 23. And uh, me too, I've ended up in the hospital. I think one of the first times was I had a really um, kind of like uh, intense boss was one of my first bosses at a startup. And she was kind of like, I don't want to say like, bullying but she had a very very strong personality and she would kind of like be okay with like humiliating you in front of people um and so i know and so the day she like kind of left for maternity leave we got a new boss um and uh i think the relief of it triggered like one of my first panic attacks weirdly (gasps) it wasn't like the panic itself it was like the post panic um and we were eating on the like third street promenade uh and all of a sudden like my fingers went tingly and I was like oh that's kind of weird so I was like hey guys I'm gonna go back to the office like you guys can all just like chill do your thing um I'll I'll see you there and as I stood up my legs started tingling and my um chest started to tingle and then I started to black out and I pretty much like passed out on the ground but I was still conscious but I just had no access to my faculties um and so yeah like my friend and then my friend said the word bacteria I you know and I was like oh my god it's meningitis I'm gonna die I'm dead and 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 if anyone has had a panic attack, you know that hearing the word bacteria is only going to make that like 10 times worse, you know? So they like scooped me up, threw me in the back of the car and um, 
sent and drove me to the hospital. And it happened to be St. John's Hospital in Santa Monica, where, Minji, I was born. And I was like, so if I died today, it would just be poetic. There wouldn't even be it wouldn't even be sad. It would just be poetic. So my, you know, my panic attack spun out of control and they ran me through all the physical tests and, you know, did blood tests and checked me and everything. And they, you know, scanned me for whatever. And they're like, you're perfectly fine. Uh-huh. I think you had a panic attack. And I was like, shit. Um, and so that kind of started my journey with anxiety, really um, having the power to overtake me, like physically. Wow. Um, yeah. And so I kind of battled that. And I think, Minji, you know, this like being in the hustle, there's so many things that can trigger either anxiety or stress, um, all of which for me lead to panic attacks. Um I- I yeah. can't. That sounds so intense. I want to like hold you right now. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> I know. I know. Baby Prisco was uh, not a healthy thing. You know, it was um, letting myself just uh, burn the candles at too many ends and um, not caring for myself and not being aware. So I think now, um, uh, first of all, I spent like a year off last year, which was really mm-hmm. nice. Um, mm-hmm. And then at the beginning of this year, I was like so motivated. I was like, here we go, bitch. I am ready to take over the fucking planet. Um, and like, even though I was just like working a retail job in New York, which I loved, it was like a job I found myself. I could make like, you know, commission. And I was like the top sales girl, like in our whatever store um, yeah, within the first month of starting there. Uh, yeah, you were. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, I was like, I'm taking names. I, I, I Like, I'm just going out. I'm pew, 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 like I'm ready to go bitch and then of course COVID happened and then of course like that uh, was discouraging and depressing for all of us um and I just remember like laying on the couch with zero motivation hating myself sitting in my own like five-day-old pajamas with like stringing at stringy ass hair um (laughs) looking at my husband (laughs) I know like eating lamyun in bed which like you know you've gotten far to the laziness when you're eating lamyun in bed (laughs) like you can sit at a table bitch you know (laughs) no I can't this is no I can't it's a ghost. The train stops here. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I think so. I think in the past maybe four months, Minji, like I've overcorrected. Like I mm. went from no motivation, doing nothing, sitting in my own sick to, um, you know, starting a podcast, working like a marketing job, um, doing that creative TikTok learning fund um, and and packing You're my so days good. with stuff, you know, yeah. and um I realized that even if I'm more self-aware than ever, that burnout fucking snuck up on me this week, too. It was like Bigfoot. It was like, first you don't see it, and then you zoom into the photo, and you're like, ah, fuck, he's been there the whole time. (laughs) The whole time, man. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and you took time off this week, right? This past week? I did. I did. I felt bad. I. I felt really guilty because, you know, I think as like Asian kids, we just want to push through the exhaustion. I don't know how many times I've been to school with like a full on flu, but I'm like, can't miss this math quiz. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm not even like a good student. I just don't want to cave or admit defeat, you know, 100 percent. And I'm okay with like when if if I'm working with someone and they need to take a break, I am 100 percent fine with it. But weirdly, I am not okay with myself like taking that break and like admitting that I need a day, you know, and it's embarrassing to me still. And I'm working on it. So yeah, like this week I like texted the workout group and I was like, I'm not going to be there. (laughs) I'm going to be watching great British baking show 
in my pajamas and I'll be here for the next 48 hours. So. I love you. Oh, I'm so happy. And when I saw that in your Insta story, I was like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Living vicariously. Let's get but that comfort in. You, yeah. You said all the things I feel like. Yeah, you just said everything. No. Thank you for coming to our podcast. No. <laughs> well, it's that overcorrecting thing that I think really, it's like that's a term that emerged in this like recent I think in this past month, yeah. that's kind of really sat with me. Mm. But the thing is, I also don't think that there's, I don't know what I'm overcorrecting because I, well, at least from my burning at not even both ends, but I'm like burning the whole candle. I feel like yeah. I just threw the whole candle in the fire. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're you're just sitting in like hot wax right now. That's, that's it. basically yeah. it completely. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, it's um emerging as like a very, I don't want to be so dramatic, but mm. if for me in my life, I think it's serious that I really need to look at that. Yeah, because it's it work work can be its own addiction. I think yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's harming me. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's what the 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 evidence that I'm kind of observing and really kind of sitting with. Yeah. There are benefits. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I'm very proud of uh achieving certain things like and I'm very grateful. And there's a mix of emotions in there, like the the guilt that you feel like, my God, it's like mm-hmm. productivity. That's like, I can't, I can't stop. Yeah. Like, I'm lucky enough to be working right now. I'm working now more than ever. And um, at least in the voice department and not knowing how to say no. And mm-hmm. then that, but then the thing that the burnout's also teaching me is like, at least because it, it's funny, like having your instrument. And I'm curious what you think when you like been singing and stuff yeah. and now you're podcasting. Like my voice right now is my income. It's my livelihood. And right. so I have a weird uh, level of sensitivity and protection of it. Yeah. Because if I don't have it, I can't work. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's different than when like I could have the flu and still like be at my laptop, which is, again, terrible. Um, right. But now it's like, I don't sound right. I can't get hired if I sound this right. Or if I turn in on a, in on, if I turn in an audition sounding one way, but now my voice, like right now, I don't sound the same as when I've turned in multiple auditions. And in my mind, I like this paranoia of like, oh my God, what if they book me? And it's like a great job for Mm. like X, Y, Z. And I can't uh, book it. I have to turn it down because I can't perform Mm. because I sound like whatever. I was like, I don't mind my my raspy voice. I kind of like it. It's like Phoebe and her, and her sexy yeah, smelly cat. Smelly, <laughs> cat. smelly cat. What are you know. they feeding you? Yeah. My no, totally. But, but I think I know like, they're not going to pay me for it. They'll be yeah. like, uh, ma'am, go to bed. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I think what? one of the craziest things, I think uh, uh, having your voice be your instrument, one of the craziest things about it is how many psychosomatic things can affect, um, the quality of your voice. What does that mean? Psychosomatic effects, please. Oh my God. I'm so intrigued. So it's like, um, it's like whatever stress you're holding onto is having like a physical manifestation, like on Mm. your, on your throat, on your, Mm. on your vocal cords, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not a, it's not like you have a node. It's like something is going on. Um, either you're stressed or, or anxious or, um, you know, over, overworked. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you're, it's, being it's like being indicated by a physical manifestation of that interesting like sometimes you you can have psychosomatic pain where it's not um it's not pain that's caused by like say burning your finger or something it's just caused by like ongoing stress 
sometimes. Girl, and this yeah. is so, so when you're talking about like your panic attack, I mm-hmm. mean, I feel like I've been having various versions of physical responses to yeah. all of this. And it's 100% fra- I can feel the fragility of my body. And it's a number of things, whether it's like the fact that I'm older and like literally mm-hmm. my joints hurt now. Like your girl's taking glucosamine chondroitin hey. supplements. I'm like, what happened? That's what's um, up. <laughs> yeah, I can't recover from our mornings, our sunrise squad workouts the same way I could before. Like, you know, yeah. it's like all these indicators of getting old, which I don't necessarily, I don't resent that. I'm like, you know, it's sure. just, it's like, this is natural. Our bodies are going to not be, but the fact that it is kind of sticks in my mind yeah. of like, okay, then now again, kind of overcorrecting. Now I have to be ultra vigilant about every activity that I do, how I spend my time. Sure. And the fact that it was weirdly like I was doing well and booking all these voice jobs um, was making me more, not paranoid, but really just like attentive to, Mm. okay, how am I spending my energy? Who am I talking to? And it all kind of converged. So like I... I've been, you know, wanting to have a balanced life. So I want to have space for like personal stuff. I want to be there for my family. You know, my family, we've like every other family during COVID have been going through our levels of, you know, inner turmoil that's surfacing, relationship struggles, like worried about our parents. My parents' business has been struggling and we've been facing some very Mm. real like financial, ugly, scary realities in that department. Like, so again, even though I might be doing okay in certain areas, like, okay, yeah, I'm booking work. Like I also was like worried about my family and like their financial future, wanting to like take care of my parents, wondering like what the hell's going to happen. Are they going to get sick? My dad had pneumonia last year, like less than a year ago. And he's still like servicing customers every day at their dry cleaners, which is again, like declining. And I know that that's stressing them out and, and all, you know, it all compounds, you know what I'm saying? And all of this is literally, I think for you in your mind, what it is, is all of this rests on the health and quality of your vocal cords because- That's like your financial support right now. Right. And right. so it totally makes sense. Like aside from like your physical wellness, like the, that it would because, you know, using your throat, it's some sort of muscle, right? It's mm-hmm. a muscle and um, it, it, it's a combination of muscles, like from from your diaphragm to um, like what's going on in your, in your throat um, to what's going on with your tongue. It's a it's a combination of different muscles. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think um I think they're easily affected by stress. And it's kind of like one of those things where you like go to a yoga class and they're like, all right, like relax like your toes and now your ankles. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize I was holding any tension there. Yeah. You know? Yes. And it's it's like it's funny because I think when you hold tension in your in your throat or on like in your tongue or in your like diaphragm space, um, it will over time like become stiff in a way and then affect the quality of your vocals of of how they sound, you know? And I think for me, like um, before I left LA, I was singing uh, like three hour sets two to three times a week. And I was doing sets like during the week and I was like working a full-time job. um, And I got to Ashland um, and I thought I was going to, I thought, you know, I'm going to write the next great American album. You know, I'm going to write like the next, like move aside Taylor Swift. Like, here we go, (laughs) you know? But the fact of the matter was I, um, it was like once I, I rested, I realized I needed to rest for a very long time. Like Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't just, it wasn't a bandaid. It was a full on like PT. And that, um, kind of exhibited itself as, one like very low energy very low um very low spirits I was like very depressed because I had just been like 
like on for years at that point. I'd just been on, you know what I'm saying? And like, and then also my voice, it felt, I, I, I think I oversang. So I think like I physically had an injury, but I think also it was exacerbated by like my psychosomatic, like by psychosomatic uh, factors, you know, because I was so stressed about, it was kind of its own feedback loop. I was like, had to perform for certain things, stress that my voice wasn't sounding right. So then I would sing through it and like push it and then injure my voice and then be depressed about my voice not being at 100% again. So it was this constant. And at that point I was living in Ashland. So if I was doing a gig, someone had flown me out there to do a gig. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, who's in town? All right, we'll just get Prisca because she can fill the spot. You know, it was like if I was actually doing a gig that year, it was like I was flying there um, and being paid to do it, Uh, which, as you know, adds to the stress, you know. Um, So I thought I was done. I thought my voice was done. I thought that was it. I thought I was look staring down the barrel of my own demise, you know. How did, and so you, you just do like full on vocal rest is like, how did you, how did you get out of that space? I, I just, I could feel so seen right now. I feel like, yeah. I'm- <sighs> I mean, I, I think a couple of things, I think I, yeah, vocal rest was huge, like literally vocal rest and also like, um, being a little more strict with, um, cause I have like allergic reactions to food and it affects my vocal cords. So being really mm-hmm. strict with, um, not introducing any of those irritants into my life. But I had this really long talk with Jane Louie. Um, and it was right before I was doing a show up in Ashland and I was like, Jane, like, I don't know what's going on. She's like, I think you sound great. I'm like, something is wrong. Like, I don't know how to describe it to you other than like, I'm like, I think I'm injured forever. I think like something's going on. Um, I was like, I think I'll never be able to sing again. And she was like, Priscilla, like kind of what I was telling you at the beginning of this, Minji, like, like it's a muscle. And if you're holding a lot of tension there or pain or grief or trauma, it's going to affect what's coming out. And what was happening Mm -hmm. for me during that time was like, you know, I, I've lost a certain amount of family members over the past, um, just like three, four years. And, mm-hmm. um, I had just lost my grandmother <sighs> while I was in Ashland. And I think, you know, I think in this Western culture, like someone dies and maybe they give you like two weeks to kind of grieve. And then you kind of, they expect you to be back at work. They expect you to be, you know, back at social gatherings. Like everyone expects you to kind of bounce back like a rubber band. And I think what I was uncovering when I was in Ashland was that all that grief was still there yet to be processed. Kind of like when you have like an export queue, like if you're editing in like Premiere, you like put everything in a queue to export and you're like, great. Like you can shut down the program, but when you open it up again, you realize you have to hit start on the export, like Mm -hmm. actually exporting each file. I -hmm. hadn't exported any of my grief. It was sitting in the queue waiting to be processed. Right. And all of a sudden it's kind of like, once you take a break and start that queue, you can't stop it. It's happening. And I was full on, I think processing the death of probably four family members at that point. Um, and and it was just, affecting me in more ways than I was I was happy about honestly I wasn't happy about it you know I don't mind crying I'm a crier I love crying you know I'm I'm happy with that it was affecting me in like my anxiety like anytime a family member like my mom calls me I freak the fuck out like and and you know some of my friends have have witnessed me doing this I'm like who hi what's going on what's happening what's going and everyone in my family always answers the phone by being like it's okay no one's dead everything's fine you know but my anxiety was at an all-time high my body like I just wasn't 
well. You know, I was achy. I was I was lethargic. I, I was depressed. Um, and then my voice was being severely affected, but I didn't want it to be grief that was affecting it. I wanted it to have a physical reason because that right. would... That would be easier for me to, one, be more woe is me because, you know, I can woe is me a physical ailment a lot more than I can woe is me like, well, I'm doing this to myself because my brain is like stress, like my brain knows I'm stressed and I'm holding that tension in different parts of my body and it's affecting my voice. That was a lot more difficult for me to like accept. Um, I wanted that framework. Yeah. Sorry. No, Sorry, please go, go, go. <laughs> well, I just think that like, it's it's interesting that you even frame it that way because it resonates with me a lot that, mm. that you look at like, I'm doing this to myself, like in a, in a fashion of you're blaming yourself, like I'm sure. grieving. And it's like, that is so, you know, a friend, if you heard me say that, I know you first got advice and I do say <laughs> that to myself. You'd be like, yeah. bitch, bitch, what? <laughs> like, no. Shut and the fuck would, up. <laughs> you would, you would send me like, you know, virtual hearts and flowers and hugs and teddy bears and puppies to make me feel better because you'd be like, absolutely not. You yeah. are a human being and like, you can't do that for yourself for some reason. Right. Like it's true. You, you're like, you should be better than this. Again, my favorite <laughs> word should, um, but I like, know. It's it's such a weird double standard, I guess. And it's a it's weird true. lack of uh, compassion and grace, which I, I I definitely struggle with myself. I think I've improved drastically yeah. this year. And I'd say this year compared to even like the last two years compared to the last 10, like I've, I've, I think it's been a really good progression. So I don't want to knock that, but I still do struggle with that internal with negative self-talk. Why are you being less than perfect, basically? And what right. is perfect, right? Like, again, if you, we were asked to be defined, what does perfection mean? We wouldn't be like, oh, somebody who's uh, not an ice queen, but like someone who never falters. Like, we wouldn't describe perfection that way. We wouldn't describe like, oh, that's a perfect. A perfect person is someone who can go to their feelings, kind of take it in, be resilient, bounce back and still have joy. And like, we mm. would describe perfection very differently. So I think we need to reframe like what we're striving for. It's not perfection. It's... um uh just like no pain maybe or like yeah or the ultra like imper you're like impervious to pain maybe that's because like, that's not <laughs> perfection you know what I'm saying? no yeah no I hear what you're saying I I feel like for me in my process it's like just putting my best foot forward every day yeah that's I yeah. I'm never gonna be I'm never gonna if I'm chasing perfection perfection will always be on the other side of where I am you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm never going to achieve it because I'm always chasing it. So how can 100%. you be where you are, where you are chasing, right? It doesn't, it doesn't logically make sense, even though it feels good, right? It feels yes. good because it makes us feel like maybe we have um, lofty goals and that we have control over something. But I yeah, think it's a control. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think, I think what I'm trying to do every day is just like waking up and like trying to put my best foot forward. And if that foot has no nail polish and overgrown nails, <laughs> so be it. <laughs> Sometimes yes. if I'm wearing ugly tube socks, so be it, you know, um, oh. and other times I'll have a perfectly manicured foot wearing some cute ass shoes. And that's the foot I'm putting forward. But, uh, and, you know, that's all metaphors for how you feel internally, not actually how I'd like to display my feet. But, you know, <laughs> I, I think I can only do my best because with all the growth that I'm doing, I can only be me. And my range of like what I can present to people versus where I'm actually at, um, it, it can be great. 
But like, what benefit does that have on me? Because where I'm actually at is still like the true point of stasis at that point, at that moment, you know? Right, right. Damn, you're so eloquent. I just need to continue to, you're, I, yeah, we all know this, but I just need to state the obvious. Everybody, we all collectively, we're all nodding at each other and looking at each other in each other's eyes right now. That's what's (laughs) happening on this podcast. But Prisca, your eloquence is like unparalleled. I don't, you just put things, that's why you're such an amazing singer songwriter. So again, go listen to our music. But I mean, this is the funny thing about the burnout is like what you're saying, the interconnectedness of everything that like it would spiral. I think like there's another imagery. We're giving a lot of metaphors, but like the one where you're saying like you would book something and then you'd like do this and you get stressed and then you get depressed and then you get to piss at yourself that you're depressed. And like it kind of really there's so much room for that momentum to Mm. to build really quickly. Yeah. And. And again, my brother likened it to an engine, moving on to the engine metaphor. He called me out yesterday, actually. Mm. My brother's like one of my best, best friends. Um, He's also caused a lot of like stress in my life before when I was younger. (laughs) As an older sibling, I apologize. (laughs) It's it's our job. I've caused a lot of stress in his life. Trust me, like (laughs) little sisters, can we can do some stuff too. But um, (laughs) it's all family love, right? There we go. But he called it out. He said, you're redlining. And I was like, what does that mean? Ooh. You're giving me a car. I, what? What yeah. does that mean? He's like, basically, you know, when you rev your car and you go into that specific RPM, like you're going like really high. And it's just, again, it's an indicator. It's like you're, you're just giving a signal like, okay, you're way up there. Back off or switch to another gear or whatever. Like you need yeah. to like adjust. But the problem is that if you stay in that red zone too, if you're redlining too much too often, you're going to you're going to destroy your engine. Like it's going to, something will melt or something will explode or like it's it's not good. So like, that's what, again, I really am merging this year with like my, um, like my feminine and masculine side. It's kind of like that feeling intuitive, receptive side. And then like the really action oriented side, those are two different energies, but I appreciate that, that, um, practical application. Cause my mind does work that way. Cause I feel like I'm always optimizing. Mm. So it's it's been really it's interesting. It's your Bay for Area roots, attention. babe. Girl. <laughs> and so one of the other activities that I'm doing, because okay, so like we're we're jumping, we're I'm spewing a lot of data at everybody. So I you know, I hope everyone's keeping up. But like the voice work has been there. I'm also been doing my startup, which mm. I'm I'm building a, a web platform with my co-founder James. And like we've been working on this for a year, so pre-COVID. And we're, wow. again, like this endeavor was like, I want to create a platform for the creative world. So it's something that I'm building. I'm gonna be hopefully going into beta testing soon and it is not a small thing to start a company but this is my ambitious idealistic self like I'm like I want to do all these things and I believe that I can this is also the double-edged sword of being confident in certain ways like Mm. I might not be confident I have a lot of self-esteem issues and insecurities and a lot of departments like with my body and with romance and with all this other stuff but with work I I think I've built a certain level of confidence of like no I can do that if I work really hard. I get the right people on my team. I can do it. So this is my other problem that I have a startup, have my voice work. Um, Mm. I have a pilot that I'm in recording right now. Like Mm. I've been writing and uh, launching, doing, preparing a Kickstarter to do a scripted comedy podcast, which I've been sitting on for like almost two and a half, three years. I'm so excited for it. Yeah. I'm really excited for it too, but like all of these things. And I've been also working on a TV series that I do have people who are interested in like having me develop that again. Yeah. There's, it's just very early stages, but that's the issue. I, again, everything's a double-edged sword. Some people don't have enough work and some people have too much. And I, I front, I, I go, you know, you, yeah, you know me. I like, I and these are good things. 
And so I feel, I feel a, when I get hard on myself, I tell myself like, you're an irresponsible, like dumbass. Like what made you start all these projects? Yeah. Thinking that you could do all of them. Like you're an idiot. Why did you do this? Now you've gotten yourself in this like burnout hole and it's your fault. Like this Mm -hmm. is how I talk to myself. Right. Yeah. On my bad days. And when I hear that, I'm like, bitch, you better not talk to my friend like that. You want to go? You want to take this outside? Well, we can't because of COVID. So come here. Masks on. Let's go. Annihilate you. Yeah, I will zoom bomb the shit out of you. (laughs) I love you. I love you so much. But that's that's like again, like where I go in my brain. And so, but then I then the good days, and I soothe myself. And so I'm always optimizing. Always optimizing. Always. Yeah. Like, okay, we're going to meditate today. We're just going to, we're going to chunk it. And like in a, in a, in a positive light, and I genuinely mean this, I'm thankful for it because yeah. a, I do think my burnout has not been as extreme as previous. Like I'm not in yeah. the ER. Thank God. You're like and checking your red flags before exactly. they, I've yeah. been better about it, but it's not, the burnout's still pretty intense, yeah. but I'm learning how to, because of this, like challenge this edge that I've been pushed to. I don't want to go over the edge because I know what that feels like really harshly. And so I have to humble myself and re-strategize. And this is that growth area for me. I have to learn how to say no. Like this year has been so much about boundaries, about like really making my yes mean yes and my no mean no. And that meant managing a lot. Like it is a lot. I have to manage my relationships better. Like my family, like you said, I get triggered when my family, certain families in particular, when they call me and I would always drop everything and just be there for them no matter what, because I was like, I had this like catastrophic mindset of like, Oh my God, but what if things are going to shit? Yeah. Yeah. Like what if everything's wrong? What if this is like the call where I find out like, that's some, that's some real shit right there where I had to like really think about why do I go to like these really bad extremes? And I've been talking about that with my therapist. Um, But I had to like step back and be like, okay, you know what? The likelihood that this is like not the catastrophic call, just chill out. Mm-hmm. You can call them back later, let them leave a voicemail or text them back and being like, hey, I love you, but I'm busy right now. I'm doing like a voice job. Right. Because right. I would just like stop everything. And I had to notice these patterns, like not just with my family, but across the board, like what are my tendencies and where am I getting triggered? Why am I so stressed out? Why do I feel like I can't Mm. stop? I can't stop. I can't stop. Or I have to do this. It was really getting bad, you know? And so that's been a huge part of this year to like identify on the mental health side. Cause it was a very clear indication. Like my mental wellness is not okay. I'm not okay right now. Yeah. And I and feel like it's it coming from, it's kind of like, I think optimizing is one thing, but I think we need to differentiate between optimizing and um, sustainability, you know, because yes. I think like, you know, if you had a bike and you kept optimizing it by adding more like, Oh, a water bottle holder. Ooh, like something <laughs> like a, a speedometer. Ooh, like all these things like adding <laughs> and adding to it, but it's not making the bike actually run better like it's like about sustainability and like making sure do I have the right tires for this situation is Mm -hmm. my chain working is my seat comfortable enough for me to go the miles that I need to like what what um like angle of 
of the steering wheels is best for me over this 30 mile ride. I do not ride bikes, guys. I, 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 <laughs> the, the farthest I've ridden is like a mile. So it I'm sorry like if you this do. bike metaphor is really thin, but I think at the end of the day, it's like, what can I do? Not just to optimize and optimize for the sake of optimizing, but like, what can I even like take away, break apart? put back together in a different way to make sure that everything's sustainable. Even though I'm not going maybe as fast, I'm going a lot farther, you know? Yeah, and I, yeah. I think that's what I've been trying to do. And I, I you know, I, I run into this thing where like, you know, when you're on Instagram or Facebook, everyone is starting a business, uh, booking a show, like everyone seems to be succeeding in the biggest way, you know? And I was like talking yeah. to my life coach and I'm like, I feel like I'm doing nothing. Like, I feel like I'm working so hard. I'm pedaling so fast, but I'm getting nowhere. And she's like, well, can, mm. can you let me know? <clears throat> like, let, why don't we list out all the things you're doing right now? Like list them out, including like domestic stuff. Can we just list everything out? Right. And I yeah. like listed everything out. And I was like talking for like 15, 20 minutes straight listing all the things that I've been doing. Wow. And she was like, okay. And I'm like, now that I'm saying this out loud, I realize that I am doing a lot of stuff, but I keep looking to my right and looking to my left. And the perception of how fast people are going um, is very different when I'm not on their bike. Mm -hmm. You know, I, my perceived um, speed, uh, my perception of their speed is so different when I'm not riding with them. And I don't know like how bumpy their road is or how difficult the incline is. All I'm seeing is that they're zooming past me, yeah. you know? And yeah. so I think in that moment, I was like, but if I'm focusing on on my path and my pedaling and my goals, remembering what is my goal to surpass everybody? It is not. But I'm tricked into thinking that it is when I spend too much time absorbing everyone else's um, curated accomplishments on social. For and sure. I know that privately they are feeling the same feelings I'm feeling, even though to like all, for all external like indications, they're doing great, you know, right. but, right. but then also realizing someone could say the same thing about me by all external indications. I seem like I'm doing great, but I still feel like a piece of shit every day. I feel like gum on the bottom of a shoe a lot of days, you know? And so just listing out <clears throat> all the things that I am doing, and also realizing and reconfiguring what my goals are, it's, it's, it, it helps me create a work environment for myself that is more long running. Good for you. Ugh. But it's hard. Oh, it, yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Hell yeah, it is Every hard. Every day. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Oh. <laughs> but thank you for articulating it because I think... Again, I don't think it's it's not necessarily to fix it. We're just like it's not about the nail. You can't fix it, okay? Yeah. But it's about just like having space to like call it what it is and understand it and also really just know you're not alone, right? right. Like and it's these uh the thing I'm learning with my therapist is like the reality checking, like the perceived reality versus actual reality mm. and checking myself and that's been actually very helpful as like a cognitive behavior therapy as mm. Melly would put it and it, what it really is is like just to kind of step back and that's what meditation helps with meditation has helped me just slow down and the way uh, you guys can clearly hear like my brain goes like a gazillion miles an hour yeah. and it doesn't really stop very much and it's important to stop mm. and and breathe for a second and so for me my challenge is like if I do it five minutes a day or whatever, like set certain goals and like also how to learn how to be flexible with those goals. Like mm. I would say, oh, like, okay, like don't beat yourself meditate. up if you yeah, miss it. Five yeah. minutes a day. And like, you can't even do five minutes a day. Like that's mm -hmm. how I am in my head. Right. I'm like, yeah. girl, 
chill. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what on the flip side, the the meditating that I have done has actually helped me slow my brain down. Hmm. That's like the the genuine um whatever feedback I can provide to people of like the benefit is that I still respond to things. It doesn't mean like all of a sudden I'm a freaking monk and like everything's peaceful, mm. but it has helped my brain catch up a little bit. Like it has a little bit more space to come to some conclusions, yeah. which helps me with that overwhelmed feeling mm. because I'm not as it's maybe the double-edged sort of being like an analytical person or having, or being a caring person because Oddly, like the problem in a, in a weird way for me, it still persists just in a different form, though I'm working on my self-esteem stuff, which is self-esteem issues, which is what was like the product of like the breakup really indicating like you really need to love yourself, girl. Yeah. Like you need to love yourself and you need to like soothe yourself. You need to sing yourself love songs. I've done all that. And I think mm. I've made a lot of progress in terms of like, yeah, I still I can beat myself up. But on the regular, like. I do think I'm a lot nicer to myself. And that's then, great. Yeah, that's I'm really huge. happy about that. And then the other part, though, I think what COVID has brought, maybe it's like signature of like what's happening is the catastrophizing. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like um, now it's not like I don't feel it's less about loving myself, which is still there. I'm working on it, but it's less of a acute like big issue the bigger issue that I feel currently is like a race against time Mm. I feel really terrified that like yeah what it what 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 goes through your mind like what what do you picture in terms of time like what's the worst case scenario number one for me right now still my parents like Mm. like you let me cry on your shoulder the other day because I'm struggling so hard with like the decisions my parents have been making, which is why it feels so heightened because I know what's at stake for them. I know what they're dealing with on a, on an intimate level, like their finances, their work. I know how I've watched them work for the last 40 something years, nonstop day in and day out. Um, with, but that was their choice. You know, I have to separate myself. Like that's what they chose to do. But like, I feel so much guilt, you know, like Mm. they did all this stuff. They didn't, they they barely ever took vacations. They never like have enjoyed life to the degree I've enjoyed life by the time I'm 35. Like they had a completely different setup. And, um, I really want them to be able to retire. Well, I want them to be able to enjoy what they can. And I know that they feel like they're in this box because they've been working towards this like retirement thing Mm. and it's been disappearing. It's been disintegrating, but in, in their hands, you know, it's like sand falling through their fingers. And I feel like a certain level of responsibility and not even responsibility because in some ways, yeah, they've totally, they have kind of put it on my shoulders, but I've also volunteered for that because I'm like, well, cause yeah. I'm smart and I'm capable and I can like, what, what, what do you mean? Like, I can't be a gazillionaire and retire my parents. Right. It's also like an ego thing for me to be like, I can do this and I want to do this. And I want, I have like that superhero syndrome or like mm. that, that savior mentality. Sure. That is rearing its ugly head in all my relationships <laughs> and I'm really working on that. Yeah. But the time thing, you know, I want, I want my parents to be able to enjoy that. And when it comes to relationships, it's across the board, like I'm single and unmarried and my mom, I know wants to be a grandma and wants to just see her kids happy. It's not even just like, I really looking at things differently where I I used to get so damn annoyed, be like, leave me alone. Like I used to take it as like a condemnation, like Mm -hmm. you're not married, you don't have kids, but I really like 
empathize more with my mom and like she gets so much joy out of her children. Like she mm. genuinely is happy when she gets to spend time with us. And I know her love is real. Mm. And I do think that she wants us to experience that same love. So I don't think she's condemning me for sure. like not having it. She sees how stressed out I am and how hard I work. Mm. I genuinely think, I think so differently. And I was weird that like, she wants me to be happy. Yeah. And she knows how much happiness she has derived out of being my and my brother's mom. Sure. That she, she gets wants- like purpose out of it. And she wants yeah. you to have like some sort of purpose, something you're living for. Exactly. And I do I genuinely you. think I I suddenly like reframed like my mom's like less of her like demand for for me to be married and have kids more like her wish for me to be married and have Mm. kids because also like I've said I wanted to be married and have kids since I was like three or four years old since I started playing house Mm -hmm. she knows that about me and I I can't lie like this is again the independent woman in me that struggles like I do want to have a family and if I if I died at like 90 or 100 or even that like 45 I don't know when I'm gonna die but like if I were to die and I didn't get married and have babies, like I would be Mm. sad. And I don't expect everyone else to feel that way, but I would be sad. I'd be like, I really wanted to have experienced that. That would have been really right. And I I think it's difficult to separate out like where your parents' expectations um, begin and end and then then Mm -hmm. where your expectations and hopes for your life begin and end. Right. You know, and I think, I think it's easy for like, I think the rebellious side in me, if my mom were pressuring me in that way, I'd be like, fuck you. No, you know what I mean? (laughs) But like, ultimately like we're grown ass women and it's about like taking into account what their, what our parents like wishes for our lives are, but also not letting that dictate how we live our life. You know what I mean? But it's, it's a tough because a lot of it might overlap, but even still it's important for us in our own, like in our own walk to be like, um, clear in what it is that we want, you know? And I've had to distinguish for sure, like in fighting and having this like back and forth argument for years, right? And it's many forms. Like I've had to answer that question Mm. and humble myself a little bit and be like, are you just being like antagonistic just because like you don't want them to tell you what to do? Like that's childish. Like stop that shit. Like totally helping you. (laughs) If you want that and you guys are both on the same page that you want that, then stop arguing. Like you're Mm. just making your life more stressful. Like on a practical level, you're adding stress that doesn't need to be there because both of you want the same thing. Now team up. Dumbass, yeah. like it's fine, you know. And I have to be nice to myself, like not so, be dumbass. Yeah. Be like, okay, Minji, <laughs> like we're we're a team here. We're not we're not on opposing teams. And then yeah. like that way, I get in a different spiral though, because then I'm like, oh my god, I'm like single and unmarried. I'm like the furthest away I've ever been from having kids. Like I'll build that narrative and go down that rabbit hole sure. and be like, sit in and that. The other, god, it's just so you know, it can just spiral. And then yeah. I'm like scared that my parents like want to go on a trip and like I had a meltdown with them a few days ago yeah so what's going on with that well I don't know they're still planning to like take a trip to like again look at property like they, they want to figure out their next step of life and I'm literally putting them in the camp of like mm. sorry of like Trump supporters you know like it goes there and this is like the political climate like all of it feels so dire okay mm. but it's like directing directly affecting my life because the stupidity of other people are jeopardizing the health of the people I care about mm-hmm. and I can be so careful and I can wear a mask and I can quarantine as much as I have and I still want to go out and do things but I'm not yeah but then that makes me angrier at the people who are like it's a hoax it's not real right I'm I'm indestructible watching that motherfucker Trump like get on stage and say front of the don't whole be country afraid of it 
and yeah. don't tell people don't be afraid of it and act like he's invincible <laughs> when he's literally taken our tax dollars and like gotten the best care that other people don't have yeah. access to. Yeah. And he's like, I really truly believe lying about how healthy he is. Yeah. Just like it's he influencing is, he, people that you love now. Yeah. To think so that you, they are somehow okay. Yeah. Do you feel like there has been kind of, as you get older, like a bit of a role reversal between you and your parents? Oh, 100%. How like, has that been like, especially during this time? It's slightly empowering. But it's also <laughs> frustrating to become the parent of your parents. And like, right. are they acting example, like teenagers? Yes, they are. I literally <laughs> chastised them. At one point, they went and visited relatives that they're all over 60, right? And I was like, are you out of your freaking mind? Like, <laughs> a party? Like back really? In like May or June. Wow. You're like, I'm not even mad. I'm disappointed. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I felt like I was yelling at teenagers who had like, you know, gone driving irresponsibly like you know what I mean like they were yeah. tipsy and like I don't approve of that and then they went driving and I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna whoop I'm gonna your kill ass. You. like how dare you <laughs> have you if, been having that with your parents with like you just- know I've been actually so um no I haven't I I I I mean I think I've been really proud of my parents um, because, you know, my, my dad's a pastor and my mom, Mm -hmm. you know, is a minister and my sister is like a worship leader. So I was really concerned that they might take the route of like, no one's going to stop us from opening the church doors. Like, you know, like nobody's going to keep us from worshiping God. You know, Um, I was genuinely afraid. And my mom actually like trolled me a couple of times because I called her and I'm like, oh, like, are you guys thinking of reopening the church like in June? And she's like, oh, no, we're already open. I was like, mom, what the how could you be? And she's like, I'm kidding. Gosh, like, like just fucking trolling me. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, God, you can't do that. Like half of your congregations like elderly you know i was like freaking Mm -hmm. out but yeah she was just trolling me which yeah for good reason i'm fun to troll um you're a good sport about it i would have had a meltdown (laughs) how would you do that to me (laughs) (laughs) no my mom uh, like i think she trolls for sport like she loves it it's It's her favorite game so i've been putting up with it since i was very young um um, but yeah so i i think um also like my my parents are caring for um i think three or four uh, foreign exchange students um, from China and Taiwan. Yeah. And they range from like the ages of, I think like 15 to 22, give or take. And so I think because like they're caring for them, they're, they're a little more strict than maybe they even would be by themselves, you know? Cause I think, you know, people in ministry, they tend to care more about other people than their own well-being, which is their own type of like work um, addiction, um, Mm -hmm. workaholism, you know, but I think I've been very proud of them. Like they won't even let me go to the house most of the time, um, which is sad, but I'm real, you know, I'm like, yeah, that's a good thing, you know? Yeah. Nice. And that is responsible. Not that nice that you can't see your parents. Yeah. And like, I think you know, my dad, he can't go to the gym. So he bought himself like an infrared sauna. Like it's basically <laughs> like a sleeping bag that he kind of like, like, a like sits inside and then watches PBS on his like little small, like TV in his bathroom. Oh, and like gosh. heats himself up and sweats it out. And I'm like, go dad. Like, That's also, amazing. how gross is that thing now after like six months of COVID, you know, but <laughs> I know I was like, do you use bleach she's like no it doesn't need cleaning i was like oh god um, <laughs> oh lord yeah <laughs> so i'm genuinely like very proud of them um i'm i'm grateful that they haven't like used their 
religion as like a reason to like shirk responsibility you know what i mean right, uh, right. which i feel like a lot of people have done especially in the evangelical circuit so i'm yeah. i'm with you um but yeah i think that role reversal so what does that mean then like when you like when you need them to step up and like be your parents again do you find that to be like difficult to kind of refine that um dynamic I think it's always been a work in progress, to be honest. Like, yeah. it's that's such a profound question. I Like, there's certain ways that maybe I'm realizing I always felt like I, in certain ways, parenting myself mm. and or them. And I think it is a, it is kind of signature of the cultural divide, too. Mm. I just always had this, like, knowing, like, there's so much you don't know. Mm. Like, I, and I didn't really blame them for that. It's just something, a knowing that I had because they're immigrants and because I watch a lot of MTV and they don't, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> right, right, right. And, and I was a pop fiend a pop culture fiend and I was always curious about the world and I was always reading magazines and I was reading the newspaper and I was always just like curious about what's going on and they're busy working so there's kind of like this distinction of like I'm observing this outside world and how it operates and seeing how different my parents were Mm. which I think you know retrospect it's it's really great and like unique and I I have so much respect for them I don't like look down on them for that yeah I don't think I was necessarily looking down on them when I was younger but like I always felt like I had to educate them on a lot of things Mm, but it was like this is how American culture is like oh this is how like relationships are or like they wouldn't talk to me about certain things so I just have to figure it out on my own like they never talked to me about sex they didn't talk to me about boys um I was a a health insane nut I get it from my grandma I realize now (laughs) but um she's a supplement queen but like like I was into bio and so like I was always worried again worried about my dad's health since I was really little because he smokes. Wow. And so I'd always like be really curious, like how do lungs work? How does digestion work? My dad eats a lot of salt. That's not good. Like, mm. and then I'd like lecture him. It's so many, I have a lot of dad issues clearly, but like, like <laughs> but you, you know, feel like you've been, stuff. you've, you've had anxiety around your parents in a way For where a it's like time. most kids probably don't worry about their parents in the same way right mm. and i certainly don't feel like i'm alone i do think that there probably are but like that and and then but that's going just back your to experience myself, i think i'm just know? an yeah. anxious person <laughs> uh, like you i think what i hear too is like you really care like the people that you care about you really care about them you you don't care a little bit you don't care halfway you care 110 150 percent I, I can steamroll. Yes, I do. That's why I relate a lot to Leslie No from Parks and Rec. She, she, does, she, she ain't low key. She's a lot of things, but she's not. She ain't low key. low key. Yeah, she's high key. She's a high key lady. But yeah. I think what I hear is like you care for people so much. And I think part of like your way of showing love is by like minding what's going on with them, you know, and yeah. like considering what's going on with them beyond what they themselves may consider. Um, yeah. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that's actually like that's it's actually like very giving. But I think how it manifests um, like in your in your day to day life, it can it can be intense to people. 100 percent. It's intense to other people. And even if though and I love you for saying that and I appreciate <laughs> that because it is I, there's no like just good or just bad. There's good parts to it. I, I yeah. do like that part of myself. I know that I have. A, yeah. a caring heart and I also know that I can go overboard I've gotten enough <laughs> feedback <laughs> to calm down but it's like and then I'm I'm learning how to again internally when it comes down to like mental health and everything how to process it because I may not be externally 
communicating it anymore because I've learned to have better boundaries. I've had learned, I've learned how to better, like let people learn their lessons. Like you can't, it's another saying that I've been like digesting a lot is like, you can't rob people of their lessons. People are going to have to go through the hard things because that's the, yeah. a lot of the way that people learn. I yeah. certainly did. Mm-hmm. And so it's and you not can't my begrudge job. them for not listening to you in the moment. Exactly. And it's not, it's control issues too. Like I can't Mm. control that. Like that Mm. is not my life. That's like trying to, I can't work out for you. I can't drink your water for you. I can't read the books and take, do meditation surgery for for me. Yeah. No. Mm. And I would love to, part of me really wants to be like, totally. Prisca, just take my spleen. It's fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But I can't. I, I, I hear you. And I, I think I went through this, like I, I had a really intense conversation with my mom this week um, and she has been telling the story since I was really young. But I when I was young, I, I like went through three or four days where I had like a high fever. I was really sick. And this one morning I like hit my head and basically had like a full on seizure in front of her. <gasps> Um, I know it was like crazy and wild. So they rushed me to the hospital. And when they tried to stick me with another needle, I had another like full on, it it was seizure like, Uh, apparently it it wasn't a seizure, but it was like, it was just like a full body eyes rolling, convulsing all of it. Um, and so, you know, they didn't know what was wrong with me. And, um, they, we did like a, they checked everything. They did like a spinal spinal tap or whatever and they uh-huh. like did like brain scans and i was basically in a little crib cage um because i guess that's what they put like kind of toddler age kids in at the mm-hmm. time and so i was like literally behind like metal bars laying in this like little cage um like fists held very tightly um brow like furrowed sweat oh. like kind of pooled on my face you know and my mom was sitting there and she was like i wish i could take her place Um, Mm -hmm. and it was just such an intense conversation that I had with her because, um, the way she told that story at church was like, oh, and then Jesus came, you know, came to me and was like, yeah, see, look, that's why I did what I did. Um, and then she was like, oh, and then I praised Jesus and everything was fine. And I used to kind of like (laughs) get a little depressed because I'm like, um, nothing changed in my situation, mom. Like I'm still in the same fucking crib. Like what the fuck? Like all of a sudden you're like enlightened and shit, but I'm still like here with the mortals. You know what I mean? And, um, but she was telling me and, you know, clarifying with me this week because we had a very, very like real conversation, but she was like, no, you're, you misunderstood. Like I felt like Jesus gave me a lifeboat and she's like, where would you be if not in my arms? with me in the lifeboat and i was like all right i see what you did there (laughs) i was like okay bitch i see what you did there (laughs) um but it was just you know i think that desire to take someone's place is a really beautiful thing and sometimes that is too much for a mere mortal and i'm not saying like you know I'm not saying it's prescriptive to believe in some greater power in some way, but also just recognizing like that's too big for any mortal. That's too big for any of us. You know, Um, it's a beautiful sentiment. And I was like, mom, selfishly as a daughter, I want you to worry about me. I I don't want you to be enlightened and pulled away from that moment, you know, Mm -hmm. but like in terms of like, I think more than anything, more than like believing in God or like a greater power, it was relinquishing a, a type of control. Yes. You know, more so than anything. It was like in that moment, recognizing like I don't have control um, and like what happens will happen. um, And kind of like the pressure of being a mother, um, not crushing her. You know what I mean? Like not letting the pressure of being a mother just crush her completely. So I can see that. And I that's I'm so 
I really want to meet your mom. Like, whenever, <laughs> like let's all go eat together. Um, okay. <laughs> it's really, and I see that, and I, I think maybe that's why I really, I bring up my parents so much is because they're like the first teachers of that. But then like, mm-hmm. in terms of like what, because uh, parents, they're the first set of leaders that you have, you know, and I mm-hmm. take uh, my own leadership stuff very i'm that leadership nerd and i've been lucky enough and ambitious enough or whatever you want to call it like it's been part of my life journey and purpose to like to to help lead and i i enjoy it but it's also double-edged sword like everything is that's i i'm very big on like uh duality if you haven't noticed Mm. um but the good of it is that i'm able to help i'm able to help period like i'm able to be of service and and be acknowledged for that and but and on the other side it's a lot of responsibility it's a lot of pressure it's a lot of um but then that's what makes the payoff so great when you do succeed you're like yes i helped make this happen and um right now i feel like i've been juggling so many things that i can't let anything drop like i can't because it's my responsibility it's my desire it's my wish to like do well but i know intellectually like you can't keep just juggling 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 keep redlining like my brother said and like not have something like really go wrong and making that a point to like address my control issues what do I need to let go of what do I need to just like accept like it comes even to like what I brought up earlier with like political stuff like there is urgency and sometimes like we get pushed in these like very stressful ways to be Mm -hmm. like if you don't act right now which everybody I, I said this in the intro vote for yeah. the love of God. Yeah. Um, if you don't act, there are consequences. That's the truth of life, right? Like, yeah. but also like you can't change everything, right? Sure, like sure. it's like this weird thing of like, I have to do my part and do it the best that I can. Like you said, just get up and do the best that you can and really do it. And then also on the other side of it, like just let 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 it go kind of like you can't control everything and I'm still really struggling with that every day I hear you I totally hear you and yeah I I know we want to talk about voting like but but before we do that I do also want to talk about um I know both you and I have struggled with this over the years but I know more recently you've been working really hard on um connecting with like different females in your life how mm-hmm. how has that process been what's like your journey with that like what what made it so it was difficult to kind of trust women for you <sighs> i love you um <laughs> well women uh, i i i can't i i haven't thought far enough back but i do well it might be my best friend when i was five told her cousin that i was bossy i still <gasps> remember that memory because i was like that hurt <laughs> it was true but it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong but that stings yeah but ouch damn <laughs> we're playing with barbies and she like referred to like something and then I, and then i was like that's not true tell him it's not true <laughs> say it say response. it <laughs> oh dear oh, it's just like self-acceptance through and through um so that hurt but I, I don't know. Well, definitely as a teenager, like I have shared that I went through a very like intense, very abusive relationship when I was a teenager. Mm. And um, one of the people that he cheated on me with was my best friend. Oh, my and, God. There were multiple people and oh, your yeah. best friend. It's a Korean drama. It's Jesus. like it's like it's a uh, Pong Joon-ho could maybe direct <laughs> this movie. I don't know. It's it's, And there's part of me that I'm working on that. But there's like. I've been working through that relationship for the last, what, like 15, 16 years since it ended. And like, wow. uh, 
uh, I've come to peace with a lot of it, but there's still always stuff to unpack. And it's sure. not like to the point where it's like holding me back in life, but there's still stuff to unpack. You know, like yeah. I was like, why did I do that? Like, why did I go to such extremes? Like wow. what possessed me? Like what? And then it makes me scared to have children because I was like, my yeah. God, they're so malleable. They're right. so in, like, you know, it, it scares me. Like what I went through, what, what I know my brothers have been through, like older brothers specifically, like I'm like, oh, I'm scared to have children. Like I, I can't fuck them up. Like I yeah. can't, I can't. Um, but I, I basically just had like a lot of distrust and I, and mm. it came a lot from even my own insecurity. Like if I'm real about it, um, I had that betrayal, but I've, I'm also aware like, my insecure behaviors as like a child, as a teenager, how jealous I felt of other girls mm. and like the kinds of things I would think of to like be competitive with them. Mm. Like having experienced it, I know that other girls and I've learned to have good, great girlfriends since then. I know mm-hmm. that other girls were all capable of thinking those things too. Yeah. So being aware that like I thought these things and other girls have admitted that they thought those things, how then are they a threat to me moving mm. forward, right? Like you're just being aware of like what you need to be on guard for, right? Mm. And you're guarded. So I don't know, like I've had a lot of issues overall in my life, clearly that I'm still unpacking why we have a <laughs> podcast and um, healing relationships with women was this like interesting byproduct of like dealing with this breakup, mm. working on loving myself working Mm. on trusting myself and others. And like, it just kind of like all built on itself. And then what I naturally found myself gravitating towards was because I felt like so much turmoil when it came to men, like I gravitated more towards my girlfriends because they felt like a safe space. Again, I have such wonderful women in my life, but I still have things that I need to work through, which is like being intimidated by women that I think are awesome. Yeah. And like feeling like they're better than me that I can't stack up and that like, oh, that like inadequacy. Yeah. Inadequacy. And then therefore feeling threatened by them. And I'm like, practically i'm like why can't we all just be great like yeah you're amazing and if you're amazing that doesn't mean i'm not like you're not right. stealing from a pool of amazingness that's going to be depleted yeah. if, if like you have it then i don't and yeah just i don't know like i don't know if that's answering your question it's just been part no, of that process it is and, and i think sometimes for me even like when i meet like certain women i feel like i have to prove out that i'm not trying to compete with them and I'm like very yes. clear about it. And then their demeanor changes completely. I don't know if you experienced that too. I have. I have. Can you, oh, can you expand on that a little bit? Like, how do you do that? Yeah, like you- I just, it's kind of like when dogs are at the dog park and like I, I immediately roll over on my back to show that I'm submissive. I, I kind of feel like that sometimes because I'm not here to compete with, with anybody. And I, I, and even if I feel a competitive feeling inside of me, I'll immediately like deal with it like I'll take myself outside and like speak to myself in a stern voice you know what I mean like (laughs) like I like I I can recognize it sooner um and I also know the older I get like younger women I'm like I don't want to be someone who hates younger women like I don't Mm want to be that person and so I think for me it was and I haven't I haven't um always been good at this but I think what I've tried to do is like realize like recognize like where I was at at their age or try to remember because it's been so long <laughs> but <laughs> just like out. how much I wanted someone to just like invest in me and genuinely like um like genuinely 
appreciate my talent and and uplift me in a way that wasn't fake or that that wasn't um there wasn't like some alternative motive right 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 and so i've tried to do that it's been imperfect at times because like you were saying like sometimes when i gave advice and they didn't listen to me like i was very upset but now i'm learning like you got to just let people learn as they go, you know, mm-hmm, and you got to mm-hmm. still be there for them, even in the fallout, because if you commit to being there for them, that includes the 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 highs and the lows in that process. Um, yes. But I think I've really been working on it because so for me, I was bullied by girls for a very, very long time um, and and was afraid of girls. And I think I went through like my teen years and my early college years being like, I'm one of the boys like I don't need girlfriends. But the fact of the matter was I was I was I was shying away from dealing with my pain wrought by other women. Um, And weirdly, like I, I love my guy friends. Like they're, they're wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. And I appreciate so many, you know, aspects of it. But now in my life today, like I rely on my female friendships and I'm so glad, like I ultimately faced it down and faced my fears and recognized, you know, especially as adults, it's kind of like, um, it, what, what's that um, quote uh, by, I think it's like Bob Dylan, like be groovy or leave. Like I'm recognizing <laughs> when you meet certain women, they're just not meant for you and that's okay. Right. And the, mm-hmm. but then the women that you do meet that are for you, you gotta like, you gotta like work and till the soil for that friendship and really like, um, like make it work. Like do like apply fertilizer when needed, like put it in the sunshine, but not too much. Like you've really got to tend and care for those friendships in a different way. But they, the benefits you reap uh, in my experience have been tenfold, hundredfold. I completely agree. I I love how you've put your, again, eloquence and metaphors are so on point. It's (laughs) too many metaphors, but it's, it's cause it it can, it, 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 you you you're able to like convey what it really means so perfectly and succinctly. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, my thing with the with the gardening thing is that I I just wanted the I wanted the fruit and I didn't want to do the work mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and for you wanted people, to go was, to Costco and just grab the ten pack. Precisely. <laughs> I don't want to have to water. Stuff. Like, <laughs> but th- but there are certain people that I certainly did water because yeah. it, it, it felt more natural. Right. And so I'm grateful for that. But I'm also recognizing as an adult, like re- relationships require work. And so yeah. I think my more the younger version of myself kind of looked at everything a little bit too, like, oh, well, if it's meant to be and if they're right for you, like, you know, we just get each other like those kinds of like. Yeah, Again, and I do think that that's important part of it to like recognize 100%. who's for you and who yeah. really aligns with you because there are even people I chased as a younger person that I wanted to get their attention, whether it was yeah. girl or guy, because I wanted I felt some level of insecurity and I didn't want to like like I was a theater leadership geek, right? Yeah. But I, it's like always wanting the attention of like the popular kids be like, do I want to kick it with you? Like, that's the question I wasn't asking. It's more like, I just want to be validated by you. Right. And and chasing friendships that didn't make me very happy. Well, right? as and, like, like as a high achieving person, I think it's also just proving you can get to that echelon. I, I can see that. You just want to get to the top of whatever mountain you're in front of. Kind of, yeah, for sure. I think that was definitely, but again, it's kind of feeding into this like, kind of bad ego side of like, mm. I just need to prove something versus like relationships aren't meant to be your trophy. Relationships no. are there to like nourish you and you nourish it and hopefully be like a symbiotic space where people can enjoy life. Like really. Yeah. And this, if anything, COVID's taught me, is like, what are we doing all of this for? Like that's <laughs> yeah. what the, all this work has been really like making yeah. me question. Right. Yeah. Why? And, and it's like, 
yeah, I think the relationships during this time, uh, the ones that come to the fore, you realize are the ones that you really want to keep around, you know? Right. Exactly. Um, which is really And new beautiful. friendships have emerged. Like, I feel like I've been able to get closer with other women. Like, yeah. Melly and I have gotten closer. And it's because, like, we are started off by us chatting about jump roping on right. Instagram, you know? Yeah. We're like, oh, I want to I work out with you. And, like, now nah, look at what it's all, like, happened. And it's great. Yeah. And, and so I'm just recognizing through and through from female relationships to my parents to like the work and all of this stuff. It's like how to value, what do I value? What Mm. matters if I am working? I really actually have accepted. I love to work. Mm -hmm. I love my work. I love playing different voices. I do a lot of commercial voice work, but I still feel like I'm playing a character. Like Mm -hmm. I'm practicing. I'm learning every job that I've done has taught me how to do every other job better. I feel Mm. like voice work and being an entrepreneur as a creative has taught me how to be like, I'm building a company and yeah, hopefully we can employ lots of people and find a lot of people's jobs. Mm. But like, I love that, that game of like seeing the connectivity, the connective tissue between all these like random disparate parts of my life. Yeah. I have a lot of fun in that. Mm. I love living this life and having something to write about. And now I get to write a podcast and hopefully that will employ and have collaborative elements of like awesome people, like directing people and doing a table read of my pilot was one of the most fun, nerve wracking. Like mm. I swear I was going to vomit on zoom. Like I was going <laughs> to throw up cause I was so nervous. Yeah. But doing it was so much fun. And so, like, I love my work. So that's also the part I'm accepting that I'm not working just to work. I'm like, it's fun. That's why I also do it. Yeah. And I think one of the things I've always admired about you is that everything that you are ultimately very passionate about, it isn't just about you. I know you've talked about ego a lot, but I've also seen just um, like even like the intent behind a lot of your projects is to move the community forward. And by community, like I'm specifically referring to Asian American community, but also just the like being female. You know, I think you're mm-hmm. always like aware of this space that you occupy and how your success is is going to help move the needle forward um, for the 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 I, like your identity and communities that you are a part of. And so I I actually like am I I'm constantly in awe of the fact that you're able to galvanize yourself and become passionate, not just for you, not just for Minji to be successful. Cause honestly, if you wanted to just be like some big ass influencer, you would be. But the fact is like, you're not just going at it for yourself. Like you're care, you're trying to carry so much more than that forward. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I, I, I know what it, I guess the crux of that is like, I know what it feels like to be alone a lot. And I know what it feels like to feel hopeless. And like what I kind of reverse engineered, like what helped me get through all that. Yeah. It was just like little things, like little interactions, little projects, little, little wins and little interactions that like, honestly carried me through some of the darkest times of my life. Mm. And if I can help create that and I am, and I'm good at it and it feeds all of these different checkpoints of like awesomeness yeah why the hell wouldn't i you know it's it's like Mm. the most practical way and i could make money and like create good projects that could live past my lifetime and yeah um like it's a win 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 yeah it's (laughs) it's wins across that's that's an important thing to me if it's only a win for me and it deprives somebody else of something else i don't like it it just doesn't feel right it doesn't drive you again i've been a manipulative lying little butt face as a teenager (laughs) so i'm like we don't need to do that again we already know what that feels like right but um I hear yeah, you. no, I'm I'm having fun and I, I'm I'm having uh, more balance increasingly, but mm. I'm just learning how to accept things I can control and uh, things that I enjoy and making sure that I enjoy. It. It's a big deal now. I think in the last month or two to make sure that I'm having fun. Mm. So if I'm not having fun, 
than whatever. Cause like, I've literally looked at this podcast as like, yeah. yo, like it, I'm not making money from this really, like I have some money coming from Patreon, but it's not a nut nearly Thank enough you to, to like, all cover our Patreon my life. supporters. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is for fun. And, yeah. um, but it is, it is my fun space. Mm. So I'm like, oh, I looked at it for a moment. I kept wondering like, is like the podcast I need to stop? Cause um, it's depleting my voice and my voice is a thing that's making me money. And then yeah. I had to sit with that and be like, well, what's the point of making your money if you're not having fun? Like, what, yeah. what like, so you, what, you just want to be a money making machine and like right. become miserable. Like you have enough evidence of like not having money doesn't mean that you're going to be a happy person. You right. Know? And, and it's like, if you don't have an outlet and this seems like it's becoming your outlet, um, over the past few years, like if you don't have an outlet, then that's not healthy because things are just getting stopped up. Exactly. But I, I like what you said about, so yeah, I, like, I started a podcast this year. It's called Two Horny Goats. And, um, you know, even working with my partner, Roxy, she could not be a better work wife. Um, Like I, you know, we've been friends for over 10 years. Like I appreciate her so much, but we definitely had a conversation because I think I got a little bit too in the weeds with like the technical side. Mm -hmm. And she was like, Priscilla, like if this isn't fun, like why, why are we doing it? You know, yeah. and I was like, OK, you're right. My bad. Like, I, that's on me. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like, because like, you know, like we're we're so conditioned to just be better for the sake of being better. But like, yeah. when are we allowed to just let ourselves create space in which um, we can just have free play? And I think that in and of itself is so valuable, you know? Yes. Absolutely. But yeah. I freaking love you. And I'm so sorry. I freaking, I mentioned it in the intro, but I'm so sorry. I didn't freaking ask you more about two horny goats. Cause oh, I just, no, need to say, before we close this out, I yeah. have to say, I love you guys so much. I love oh, your podcast. I'm you so go. happy that you created it. I'm so happy that you put the stories and the thoughts that you do out into the universe. Cause they are, I literally called you one night. I think when I was on <laughs> one of my walks. Cause yeah. like, your ep- I think it was like two. I was like, I'm not even <laughs> finished with episode two. And I'm like, so moved. <laughs> but it was about sexuality. It was about shame. Yeah. And it was about guilt and the way that we've had to learn things on our own. And it just yeah. like, I felt all those things. But to hear it so clearly stated in such a beautiful and bold way that you and Roxy put out in the world, like mm. in your podcast, it was moving to me. And again, Aww. there are all these Thank things, you. like these vacancies that we're not aware of yeah. Until, yeah. until it's filled. And you're like... Someone said it and suddenly you're like ignited and like yeah. light is sh- shining in a way that you didn't have before. <laughs> I feel like um, I feel like part of what we're doing is, you know, be, like being Asian American is its own specific experience. And I think we talk about human experiences, but yes. I think with a lot of our Asian American experiences, we can't recognize them because we're like fish in water. You know, it's like, what is water? Like, and I think what we're trying to do is just line it up and be like, water is wet. And, and then the other fish are being like, Oh, okay. You know what I mean? And it's like water is made made up of H2O. And the other fish are like, oh my God, it is. Like, you know, it's like like we're actually not doing anything that crazy other than just pointing to um like some of the shared trauma that we have that we have difficulty naming either because we're literally programmed to repress it or because we literally can't see it because it is the it's the air we breathe it's it's the water that we swim in you know so So. true and i've actually like personally like shied away from it sometimes because i'm Mm -hmm. just like to me like exactly what you said it's my water and it feels so duh you know like totally it feels so basic i'm like why would i talk about that that's like 
that's like saying the sky's blue. Like, yeah, who? Cool. And what else? Like, there's totally. other interesting things. But like to somebody else, like I'm realizing more and more, I need to stop thinking of it that way. I I benefit from other people taking a second to not think, oh, this is so basic. I don't need to talk about it. Like if everyone thought that way, we would have nothing to talk about because our realities are just our realities. So it was a good awakening and I'm just deeply appreciative. And I also see the specificity of what we're going through and what we're sharing and articulating more clearly is helpful to everybody. I mean, it is helpful. Absolutely. I believe, and I can attest to my own, um, feeling like I was helped by listening to your podcast because of that Asian American connection. But I also recognize like I grew up watching a lot, mostly non-Asian American content that comes from a white voice, a black voice or like whatever. And I still got something meaningful out of it. Right. Totally. And what I think that's happening with us being cracked open and expressing more freely and more analytically it's going to benefit everybody. And yeah, like the more good. specific, the more universal. Right. And I, right. I, I do. Yeah. I, I, I myself have gotten so much out of listening to your podcast and we, we have different backgrounds. We have different experiences, but I can relate to a lot of what you go through because of how specific you are with it, you know? And like, because you walk through the internal state and we all have an internal state, like our external state could be vastly different, but mm. our internal like monologues are not so different from each other that they're unrecognizable you know very Um, true and so i've gotten so much out of your podcast and i appreciate so much so how you've put just you've led with such transparency and i would genuinely say like and i know you and i've had conversations about it but i i don't think that we would have started the pod if you hadn't come first you know what i'm saying so like i i'm so proud to be like pod sisters i'm so proud to like do future crossover episodes and um i'm i'm so grateful for what your podcast represents um because it is a 360 you're allowing a 360 view of you you know and and it's a public record um and there's a fearlessness in that and i I know you've already covered such crazy topics, but as you continue to go through various points in your life, like you're going to continue to to break open all the the things that you go through without like the bullshit or without the veneer. And that is honestly, Minji, terrifying. And I cannot stress this enough how terrifying it is and how much courage it requires. Thank you. So if you want to donate to Minji's Patreon... You want to head <laughs> to the first of all Patreon page and donate what five dollars a week? I don't know, like you know, five dollars an episode, maybe that's like a latte a week. You know, it's like buying Minji a coffee, right? But that's gonna oh help her with with hosting fees. It's gonna help her with website hosting. It's gonna help mm-hmm. her like with the energy to buy herself a latte to continue doing the podcast. So yeah, no, I'm serious, guys. Please donate to Minji's page because. <laughs> If you guys have gotten to this point in the episode, we're an hour and a half in. If you got here, it means you're a diehard fan. And (laughs) if you want to keep this going, keep Minji's lights on. Let's do this. Let's do this together. Thank you so much. For, and honestly, I will plug again. Go just go to listen to Two Horny Goats. It is a breath of fresh air. I just need to do Roxy, if you're listening to this, I hope you are. I really want you on this podcast. Yes. I love I met Roxy at Prisca's wedding reception. Oh yeah. And my life has been better ever since. She just, is the party. 
Like Roxy, if, like someone's like, I don't know if I've met Roxy. I'm like, if you've met Roxy, you would know. You, you met know Roxy. you met Roxy. <laughs> yeah, let's okay. not play around, okay? You but, know you met her. <laughs> but she, let's um, I I know she'd love to come on on the show, and um, hopefully we can come on together and do a proper like crossover. Yes. yes. Um, but you know, before we close out, let's talk a little bit about voting, Minji. I'm down. Um, do you have any please, thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I've I've been very like. It's my space, so I'm just going to be a little bit more <laughs> free with my thoughts. I Bitch, work on go the whole, like, let's be respectful of everybody's uh, political views. And honestly, if you do and you have your sound reasons for that, go for it. I'll be clear about mine. Okay. Um, we need a vote for Joe Biden, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is a monster of gargantuan proportions that I think is like since day one before he ever got inaugurated and when he entered the race. So like is a monster and yeah. the fact that we've had to endure four years of this i i would hope that there's enough practical obvious evidence to see what a menace to not only our society but to the globe to the betterment of our earth mm. he is and he needs to go and there's been moments i've tried and i just to like i guess defend myself i've had moments of like compassion for the guy mm. he is a very broken man and i'm not like so hateful that i can't see that sure and regardless he needs to go yeah that's that's my take i mean have you been watching the what's your i and i didn't even ask you briska but i i watch your instagram so i have a sense of like where you're at <laughs> um i'm wearing my bitches for biden hat so nice. clearly okay, very nice and you know i i know i know that as democrats or as progressives like we can be split on joe biden that that's understandable Mm -hmm. but also right now that's not the point right so i think for me what's clear is that donald trump is not fit for presidency for Mm -hmm. a number of reasons and he's Mm going to actively continue to reward the top one percent he's going to continue to destroy our climate he's going to end laugh at it like he literally laughed at california um Mm -hmm. he's going to continue to limit the rights of women and whether Mm -hmm. whether or not whether or not you're saying, well, it's actually him or not, like the people that are in his administration, in his cabinet, they are actively seeking to limit LGBTQIA rights, um, limit women's rights, um, you know, a woman's right to choose. Um, and even with like birth control, there's a lot of things, you know, you got to look closely at, you got to read closely because it's really threatening um, a lot of our civil rights. So mm-hmm. and, and a lot of our equal rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think more than anything, the first debate, um, because I don't think there's going to be another one, but the first uh, presidential debate um, just showcased a man who's unfit for the for the office. And I think we gave him a chance. Like, you know, I remember Dave Chappelle first week um, that Trump got elected. He w- went on SSNL and was like, why don't we give this guy a chance? Because, you know, we don't know what he's going to do. We've obviously done that. I didn't want to give him a chance for the record. But, yeah. you know, like we we had no choice. Like he's been our whatever he's been in the white house for the past four years close to it um we've given him a chance and he's shown time and time again that he doesn't actually care about people he doesn't actually have compassion he doesn't actually care about science and um he doesn't actually care about the law um Mm -hmm. and his bullshit law and order is just designed to create division between communities and i don't think and i remember obama saying this over and over um we're not as divided as it seems but the media loves to play with um, division more than than uh, unity, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a more interesting story. Um, so anyhow, I think that for me, it's been clear if we want to look at it from a very logical perspective, 
that he has proven that he's unfit for this office. Right. All intents and purposes. So please go vote. Evidence is there. (laughs) But either way, honestly, if you don't agree with us, that, you know, I'm not happy about it, but we can agree to disagree. But either way, just use your civic duty, exercise your civic duty and go and vote. That's more important than anything. And like, make it a habit. You know what I mean? Like make it like every year you renew your car registration. So in that same way, like you, you should feel that same like compulsion to vote as well. You know, I I feel like this actually, it's funny that it brings up memories of high school for me mm. because it kind of, there's something like I get a personal connection of like, for example, I, w- I, I was a class officer, right? In yeah. junior and senior year. We have like homecoming. We have prom. Those are very big deals to me. I didn't go to them because I was dating a controlling, abusive person. But mm-hmm. I planned them. And it was like one of the greatest joys of my life because mm-hmm. I, I got a lot of happiness out of like making a great event for my entire class to experience. There are people who genuinely like and enjoy that. I genuinely liked and enjoyed helping with graduation, homecoming, and prom. And we had a voting thing for a lot of different things, like what kind of song do you want? What theme do you want? Like there was a process to get input. And from somebody who was like in charge of it, it was helpful information for me, Mm. okay, to get the opinion of my fellow classmates because my biggest desire was like, we needed like, I need help steering the ship. I am steering it, but like, should we, do you want... I remember like we had like a John Mayer song on the docket. We had like a Eve six song. Like I'm totally like revealing, but I, we, people didn't vote. Like there were a handful of people, a handful of people who did. I remember the number being pretty low comparatively to like the number of people of the population in class. And mind you, I don't think everyone in the class went to prom. This is about a prom song, right? But, um, very few people voted. And then they bitched about it because they were like, <laughs> why did, why is this their song? I was like, did you vote? You yeah. know, like, and it was very frustrating for me yeah. saying, making about me, but it was very revealing. I don't, I couldn't for the life of me understand if you're so opinionated about it and it does matter. I mm. like care very much about what our theme song runs, right? Yeah. If it's enough for you to complain about, then why didn't you do something about it? Yeah. Right. Like, and we've had enough times to like prove that so this is way way bigger than the prom song <laughs> it's true it's true i and do i i really though i can't wait till voting can be done like via an app or something a little bit more palatable to a gen z millennial yes. crowd you know because the paper documents i think it really does like intimidate a lot of like it, it takes does. it takes me like I always do my like internet returns on like the last p- fucking final day because I have to go find a printer and get a stamp, which is like not something most millennials just have on hand, you know? Right. So right. I, I get that voting can be, mm, it can be intimidating in a way and it can be um, stress inducing in a way that I think we can eliminate hopefully in the future. I agree. There's a lot that needs to be worked out. Absolutely. It's not a perfect system. Yeah. And I don't think we'll ever get perfect, but we can keep making it better. And that's honestly the the, the rapid fire change that we've gone through in the last mm-hmm. like 10 to you know 15 years, definitely the last 20 years. I mean, we are living in a completely different universe. And so to just like 
the practicality of it is insane. Like to be operating in the same way that we had like all these years before for a very different universe. Like it just doesn't make sense. And that being said, that's why it's like, I'm always baffled because the, the young vote is always like such low numbers too. And Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but like, and this is not to hate on the older generation, but I do wonder just cause like my grandma, like she just told me the other week that her whole um, retirement facility, all of them are going to vote for Trump. And mm-hmm. I had this fight with her four years ago. I was like, are you out of your mind? Like, mm-hmm. no, you're not. But I can't change the rest of her retirement community. It's a giant building of seniors. Mm-hmm. And they're going to all vote for Trump. And I was like, at least my grandma's not. But like, that, there are these, like, those numbers exist. And so it's just a reminder for young people, because I have talked to a number of friends who are, they feel like their vote doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. they, they're, I know how the electoral college works and I don't need to. I was like, if enough people feel that way or if mm. enough people feel like it doesn't matter if they, they show up or not, mm. that's a very big problem. Yeah. And this is not a moment where we can, like, be like, oh, it doesn't matter what it – yeah, it fucking does. So you what know? you're saying like, is, yeah, we should role play as a um, – like a – another senior center like kind of like their rival a rival senior center um who's going to vote democrat like yeah. we have to role play as like okay there's the, there's a senior center doing this so we have to role play as like the opposing senior center that's going to equalize those votes if that's what gets you to the polls that's what we got to do guys yeah like all <laughs> all systems go you know yeah. what i mean yeah and i love my grandma but and like i appreciate everything she's done in my life and also she, she doesn't know how to access email and she doesn't no. know, like it's different. It's the world is different. So I don't question her values, but in terms sure. of like what the practical application of it's going to be, she's long been out of the loop. So for her to like be in the know of like who is best to run our world, mm. um, it does raise some questions in me. Um, and she doesn't research, you know what I'm saying? So like, I understand. And young people, we're, we're new to the world, right? Like younger people can be like newer to the world. So they don't know for X, Y, Z reasons. They don't know all the, you know, mechanics and the infrastructure at play. So there's a lot of like lack of information there on that side. Mm. However, like those, there needs to be more information like sought. And then we need to just still apply, like act, activating our voices, activating our needs. We're the, especially for young people. Cause I'm like, Y'all, I don't even say we, you guys, you guys, yeah. the younger people, y'all are the ones that are going to have to deal with this longer than we are. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like climate change, you're going to have to deal with it. <laughs> like We're going to be, we're going to bounce earlier yeah. than you. It's true. And to your point, That's like your and, party. Yeah. And to your point, like, I, I really want to appreciate like a couple people like uh, Sean Mira um, and like um, Dan Matthews, even who I know you've had on the pod recently. Yes. Um, but, you know, they're. I think the biggest thing is like, yeah, please like vote in national elections, but also don't underestimate the power of local elections. Like, yes, yes, like, yes, and, yes. and a lot of things in LA are also coming up, you know, on, on the ballot um, this year and like do some research, read into the props and read into like if, if different council members are up for election, um, if, you know, if, if very various officers um, in, in your, in your city or in your County, um, if they're coming up for, for election, like, pay attention to that because the fact is on a national level, maybe you're just a drop in like Lake Michigan, you're a drop of water in Lake Michigan. But in terms of like what you can do in a local election, your voice, your vote, it really matters and can actually 
incur change in the long run. You won't see it tomorrow, but in two years, you could see a big shift happen. And Mm -hmm. I know that's like, um, that's what happened in certain um, districts of Georgia. I know that's what's happening in Arizona. These small incremental changes may seem like, you know, not that important, but in fact, like that is what our democracy runs on. Yeah, you're so, thank you for reminding me. I get really (laughs) caught up because- Again, the emotional response to Trump is so strong. Right. Um, but the local elections, absolutely. And I've actually heard numbers like the margins are so small. Like yeah. it literally is. Some of it is by tens of votes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like in county elections and everything. And I'll tell you as um, somebody who's dealing with various things of like homeownership and real estate and whatever. Mm. And these being a freelancer, it's like, this is my money. You know, yeah. I've been paying taxes and as a freelancer, you know, Priska, like we have to Ugh. set aside a large chunk of like money to go 40%. to taxes. Yeah. And yeah. the older I get, the more I realize I was like, that's my goddamn money being spent mm-hmm. and you're spending it like that, in, that improperly. Yeah. Or that that's a vacation to Jamaica. Like, you yeah. know, <laughs> you know, yeah. I could have gone to like, I could have done a whole tour of all the best Asian countries and eaten all the best food with all that there money. There you go. There, and you stayed asshole, in like a fucking like, villa with like fresh cut fruit you. every morning. Yeah. Thank you. And uh-huh. massages. And massages. There you go. There so, you go. No, we don't play like that. I don't play like that. And I'm mm-hmm. realizing the older I get, like it's important because it is, it's not just a responsibility. It's like they're using our money. Like yeah. hell no. No, 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 no. And it also affects the amount you're going to have to pay. So that stuff, I totally back what Priska said. Um, I'm yeah. learning a lot more about local, um, like city, county, state elections they really, go. really affect on the financial level too of like yeah. what happens, you know? So. 100%. And with like even healthcare stuff, you know? Yes. Um, it's important to look at but yeah minji thank you so much for having me this has been i just feel like i don't know like i took a like a really satisfying shit you know like i feel so good (laughs) like euphoric cleansed you're you're cleansed Cleansed. you're hilarious i love you no i feel like my soul feels like i got a big weight off of it and that's much more elegant than mine i'm so sorry mom (laughs) yeah yours was like so elegant and like profound and i was like yeah it just feels like you know my bowels are empty good i'm Um, sorry by the way everyone eat your vegetables Mm -hmm. um because i care about that (laughs) <laughs> I, I feel I feel I feel lighter all across the board. <laughs> and everyone, please go listen to Prisca's podcast because, like, obviously, Aww. this is you. You heard like we had our episode before about the goody two boobs and everything. Yeah. It was amazing, and um, you are freaking so light fun. in this universe, Prisca. Ugh. So please, like, keep it going with the podcast Thanks, at Angie. your leisure when you and Roxy can't. Don't get overwhelmed. And like, everyone <laughs> listening, it's like you know, it's it, like we were saying from the top. It's one step at a freaking time. We're all. Yeah. <laughs> working on it we're just doing our best yeah um any closing remarks Priska? any do you want to plug like your podcast where can people find sure. you yeah um so i run a podcast with uh, called two horny goats you can find us at two horny goats.com or at two horny goats on um instagram and twitter i run it with my very good friend roxy she she's a director filmmaker um and just all around incredible person so come listen to us talk about um fish and water um no but really we <laughs> talk about asian american stereotypes and we talk about life and food 
Um, and we have an episode coming out soon about death and grief, which is one of, I think, the most personal episodes to date. Um, an episode that Minji kind of referred to is called uh, What the Fuck Are the Birds and the Bees? And we talk about Asian American sexuality, what sex ed looked like at home, um, and what kind of, uh, I don't know, repercussions of being repressed uh, by the Asian uh, culture. Um, mm. what that does to us in the long run. So yeah, go take a listen and let me know uh, what you think. I I cannot sing the praises enough. Um, <laughs> thank you again, Preska. Thank you so much. And I hope you've chosen a really good song for the <laughs> outro because I'm really I'll excited. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. okay. Well, go check out Tiorny Goats. Um, if you enjoy this episode, like share it with a friend because I just love our conversation and hopefully it'll be helpful to people to get through the insanity of this year and just life, life as it is, you know, yeah. Yeah. we're figuring it out. We got it. Um, got I it. love you, Prisca, and have love a you, good Minji. rest of your day and Thank we'll talk you. soon. Okay. We'll talk soon. Love you. Bye. Love boo. you. Thanks so much for tuning in for this week's episode of First of All with Priska. Um, please go check out Priska's music and her podcast, Two Horny Goats, that she co-hosts with Roxy Shit. Keep an eye out for a future crossover collab. Um, that'll be really fun. I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, just stay strong, everybody. And we're going to get through this. And uh, shout out to Priska because she is our featured music for this week's episode for the intro and outro with her song State Change. And also a big shout out to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. Marvin, thank you so much for holding it down for first of all and helping me keep on keeping on. I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers. And uh, as Priska so beautifully plugged and mentioned, I do have a Patreon. So if you'd like to support me, this podcast and help keep the microphone and Wi-Fi on, please go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast and become a part of the crew and shout out to my patrons i freaking i love you guys so much you guys have been a huge support system throughout this insane year and the last three years increasingly and welcome to um the new patrons who are i don't know keeping me on this on this ship and steering away i appreciate all of you if you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with a friend. Uh, leave star- leave a five-star review and uh, subscribe. And you can find First of All Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, and everywhere else you can find podcasts, including Spotify. And I believe that's it. Stay tuned for more episodes coming. Got some in the can that I'm excited to share with all of you, including one with my dear friend, Melly Lee. Um... Yeah, just love all you guys. Stay safe and well. Take care of yourselves. Go vote. Bye. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. 
You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. 